0: Dear a warm welcome to the Win in Spain podcast. I'm your host, Paul Burge. I aim to bring you a little slice of Spanish life and culture right into your ears, wherever you're listening from around the world. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're a new listener to this podcast, a special warm welcome to you and to all of the long-term listeners, thank you for continuing to listen to this show. So what have I got coming up for you in this episode? Well, I'm going to be looking at the Spanish Home. And I'm going to be running through some observations and comparisons between your typical Spanish home, I suppose, uh, compared with, in my experience, uh, houses and homes back in the UK. Since living in Spain, I think I've lived in five different uh, places. They've all been apartments. And of course, during my years in Spain, I've been invited to friends' houses as well. So I've got quite a good insight into what makes a typical Spanish home. I'm going to be looking at the little curiosities, the little things that I've noticed that are different to a uh, home back in the UK. I'd also be intrigued to know if you guys, the listeners, have found some of the same little curiosities and differences uh, that you find in Spanish homes. I'll also be running through a little bit of the history behind housing in Spain in general before we get into my little list of uh, uh, differences that I've noticed. But before we get into that, I would just like to say a quick thank you to a new When in Spain patron. So, muchísimas gracias to Alexei Yevimov. So, a big thank you to you, Alexei, for signing up to become a When in Spain patron via the crowdfunding page, Patreon. Uh, If anyone else enjoys the podcast and would like to show their support by way of a small monthly donation from as little as a dollar uh, it's easy to do you can just head over to patreon.com forward slash when in Spain it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n forward slash when in Spain. When you hit the page, it's all very self-explanatory. There are different tiers of patronage to sign up to, as I said, the lowest being $1 a month. And through this listener support basically helps the podcast uh, keep going and helps secure its long-term future. So if you enjoy When in Spain, you know what to do. Please head over to the Patreon page and sign up to become a patron. If you're not in a position to do that, a couple of things also really, really help. If you'd like to support me and the podcast uh, quite simply is to tell a friend about it if you know anyone who's interested in Spain and you think might be interested in listening to this podcast all about Spain go ahead and tell them uh, let them know that uh, that I exist and that this that this podcast exists another thing you could do is leave a little review about the podcast uh, you can do that on the when in spain facebook page or group uh, you can do it on most of the podcasting platforms uh, Uh, where this podcast is available. For example, on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, you can leave a little one sentence review or you can just give a star rating. That really, really helps. And another thing you could do if you listen on iTunes or Apple Podcasts is hit the subscribe button. It helps with the algorithms that Apple iTunes use and it helps push the When in Spain podcast up the charts, gives it more visibility, and of course helps more people discover it. So if you can do any of those Three or four things while you're listening to this podcast, or after you've listened to this podcast, I would be super grateful. So let's get into the episode and what I wanted to talk about, which is uh, Spanish homes and houses. I'm really going to be talking about the kind of little uh, quirky differences that you find in Spanish homes. In my opinion, compared to uh, back in the UK, I've also lived in America as well. So I guess I'm kind of comparing uh, Spain with those two countries. Uh, of course, I know that. There are listeners out there listening to this right now who are from lots of other countries around the world and might be thinking well actually uh, you know what Paul is describing in homes in Spain is actually quite usual in in my home country and that may well be the case so just a little caveat here to say that my observations are based on you know uh, being a British guy living in Spain and uh, based on my experience in the UK and America. Let's kick off by looking at uh, housing in Spain in general and I a little bit of research about this, and the research kind of confirmed uh, what I was expecting. Uh, For long-term listeners, you probably know that I live in Madrid, uh, in quite an old neighbourhood in La Latina, which is right in the centre of the Spanish capital. And most of the apartments are quite old, around uh, 100 and 150 years old. Of course, there are newer uh, builds as well. And I know there are listeners living in Spain who don't live in cities, who live in more rural locations uh, in smaller towns and villages where apartments are less common and you might be living in a nice luxurious detached house with a garden and a swimming pool unfortunately for me that's not the case although I do love living in the centre of Madrid we don't have a, a, a garden or a swimming pool but what I'm trying to say is that most Spaniards actually live in apartments and more Spaniards live in apartments than anyone else in Europe, which actually doesn't surprise me because on my travels around Spain over the years and certainly having lived here in Madrid, apartments are everywhere. It's quite rare to see houses. If I compare Madrid, for example, to the UK uh, and London, there are apartments in London, of course, but even though it's a huge metropolis of X amount of million people, um, you still see streets of, you know, two or three storey houses, uh, residential areas. Uh, which is much less densely populated uh, than maybe Spanish cities. Uh, In Madrid, overwhelmingly, the majority of accommodation where people live are apartments, which may range from three to six storeys or even more. But yeah, it's true to say that Spain has the highest proportion of uh, apartment or flat dwellers in Europe. And the lowest percentage of people living in houses. And that uh, is a statistic that I found by the Spanish stats company called Eurostat. And yeah, kind of confirms um, what I've seen in Spain. Even in smaller towns in Spain, uh, the centres of the city, well not even the centres, even the outskirts of the cities are dominated by quite large and densely built uh, apartment blocks. So the figures that I found say that uh, two thirds of Spaniards live in apartments and uh, while in countries such as Britain and Norway and uh, northern European countries, the figure is closer to 80% of people living in houses. With regards to home ownership, uh it's quite high in Spain. And I was quite surprised by the statistic. I had the feeling that uh, more people rented. Um, But 80% of Spaniards own their property, while only 20% rent. So I guess the question is, why do Spaniards prefer to live in apartments? Well, there is no hard evidence for this. But uh, from my research and from my own perspective of living in Spain, Spain just has more of an outdoor society, owing to the uh, good climate for most of the year. And even in the winter months, Spaniards like to be out and about in the streets, on the terrazas, in bars. And in my experience, that's where most Spaniards do their socializing. I will say in my experience of living in Spain and having uh, lots of Spanish friends here, it's quite unusual to be invited to someone's house to. Socialise. It does happen occasionally, but in my experience, I would say um, a lot less often than back in the UK, for example. If you go to any town or city in Spain, you will notice the kind of historic centres do have uh, apartment buildings, but you also notice, and I'm sure if anyone's living in Spain or travelled to Spain will have noticed that the outside, the outskirts of even the smaller towns are dominated by large. Uh, apartment blocks in fact entire neighborhoods where there are only apartments and that's this is really really common in Madrid as I'm sure many of you have seen and the reason for that is down to Franco by the early 1960s a huge amount of uh, Spaniards had migrated from rural areas from the little pueblos to the cities as the rural economy declined families would up and and move into cities, which caused a big problem. And in 1961, in fact, the government passed a national housing plan to deal with the huge shortage of housing that was unable to accommodate this new wave of immigration from the countryside into the cities. And that resulted in the construction of millions of homes uh, during the next two decades. So, right up into the early 80s, there was a huge wave of building. Um, which indeed resulted in the construction of numerous apartment blocks, often built uh, very quickly and rather cheaply, And if you look at a lot of the apartment blocks around Spain, you can tell by the the architectural style, which in my opinion is often quite ugly, quite brutal. You can tell it harks back to the sort of 1960s, 1970s uh, after Franco died. And then following the election of the socialist government in 1982, uh, significant resources were directed at building new housing in Spain. But despite the efforts, uh, population growth continued to outstrip construction and so continued to become a pressing social problem for Spain. So that, coupled with low interest rates and an infusion of foreign investment, fueled a construction boom, which we've all heard about, uh, which gave a massive boost to the Spanish economy. But as we uh, all know, the real estate bubble burst in 2009 uh, when thousands of developers went under, uh, Spain's banks were saddled with more than 180 billion euros in toxic assets and this was a huge contributor uh, to la crisis uh, in 2008-2009. In Madrid lately I've noticed uh, uh, certainly well all over the city where there are gaps in the centre. Uh, there's a lot of building of apartments going on and definitely in various neighbourhoods around the outskirts of Madrid there are tower blocks going up and uh, some of you may know about a huge big project called Madrid Norte, uh, Madrid North uh, based around the Chamatín railway station, a massive redevelopment project uh, which hasn't started yet but is due to start and will last something like 20 years and the plan is to build a huge new modern neighbourhood comprising uh, apartment buildings, shops, leisure facilities, offices. But I want to look at the more quirky side and look at specifics that you find inside Spanish homes. Uh, I myself, with my fiancé Karina, we live in a small piso, a small apartment, as I said, right in the centre of Madrid. Pisos, or apartments, as I said, are the most common uh, accommodation uh, for Spaniards. But that's not to say that you don't find houses. Where I teach out towards the outskirts of the city, you see a lot of detached houses, what they call chalindros, which are detached houses with a little bit of garden or a patio. You do see rows of terraced houses. They're called adosadas. Casas adosada is a terraced house. You occasionally hear semi-adosada, which is a bit like our semi-detached. Super common in the UK. Rows and rows of quite bland semi-detached houses in sprawling suburban streets. Very similar to where I grew up. You have a duplex, un duplex which uh, I think is quite a universal term for a two story apartment. And then you have un attico. Un attico could be uh, a penthouse if it's uh, super glamorous and very big. Or you might describe it as if it's smaller as a loft apartment. So that's un attico. So these are the kind of terms if you're looking to buy a house or rent and you're looking uh, at um, adverts or you're looking in a state agent's window, you might see these terms used. Chalet, detached. Adosada, terraced. Semi-adosada, semi-detached. Piso, of course, we know is a a flat. So as I talk to you now, I'm at home. Just in case you're wondering, if you hear some kind of scuffling noises in the background, that's our new kitten, Bimba. So in most Spanish apartments, you're going to have one doorway, one entrance, which is called the portal. Portal. Of course, on the portal, which is the main entrance to a building of maybe dozens of uh, apartments, you have an intercom. So the intercom is a panel of numbers uh, and buttons, which for me, when I first came to Spain, I used to find incredibly confusing. You have this whole bank of numbers and you have all of these uh, little abbreviations and letters, which might mean something like uh, floor two, apartment three left or apartment three right or variations on that theme and it's quite confusing when you're I remember when I was house hunting doing the rounds in Madrid sometimes it was a bit, bit confusing you end up ringing the wrong doorbell but talking about these buzzers the sound that you hear which is like this which is a little phone hanging on the wall by the door. You hear this sound all the time. Obviously, in your own apartment, you hear it, but you hear it kind of echoing around the apartments. You hear it out on the street. And uh, it's far less common in the UK. One curious thing I find is when the postman calls. Now, when the postman calls, the letterboxes for each apartment are in in a big bank together in the kind of lobby. Obviously, the post person needs access to the letterboxes, los buzones, but they don't have a key to let themselves in. So what do they do? They ring random buzzers just very quickly. It's almost like they just run their hand over the bank of buzzers and whoever the first person is to answer will let them in. And it happens to me on a regular basis, the bell will ring. It's usually if I'm expecting a delivery of something and I think, "Oh, that must be the delivery." And I answer it and it's no, it's cartero, postman and let them in. So it's quite common on a daily basis if you're at home in the morning to hear all of the buzzers ringing all around the apartment building as the postman is hoping that someone is at home to buzz them in. The other little thing I've noticed, which can be a bit confusing sometimes, when you're exiting an apartment building, the door to the main entrance or the portal doesn't just open. Sometimes they do and sometimes you're looking for a switch to push. It looks like a doorbell or a light switch to open the door. Sometimes I've done this before where I've been meaning to open door for example and I've rung someone else's doorbell or quite often what happens as well is you have lights on a timer switch in the staircases of an apartment building there are no windows in the staircase uh, many times you're going up and down the stairs and what happens is the lights go out and you're in darkness and you look for this little switch to turn the lights back on again and many times I've been looking for the switch to turn the lights on and again rung someone's doorbell because the doorbells here look very much just like plastic white electric light switches Um, so sometimes that can be confusing and talking about entering and exiting apartment buildings uh, I have to mention that many apartment blocks have what's called a portero kind of translates as a doorman um, but it's quite often the person Who at the entrance of the building, just past the portal, sits behind a desk. Or quite often sits in a little office where I used to live. There was a portero, and he sat in a little office in the mornings and maybe through till the mid-afternoon after his lunch break. A physical presence, just kind of monitoring who's going in and out of the building. But they also serve a really really useful purpose as well. If you have any deliveries and you're not at home, so they will sign for things for you. Uh, They're normally in charge of day-to-day maintenance of communal areas. They might. Do, uh, cleaning, mopping the floors of the corridors and staircases. They might do a bit of painting and decorating in public areas. Not all apartment buildings have them, and they're usually paid for by the community of the building. So, all of the owners of the, the apartments uh, pay every month a community fee, and part of that fee goes towards paying for the portero. And the portero is basically a full time job, which kind of surprises me in this day and age. I sometimes think you know, you go into an apartment building and there's a, a someone one sat there behind a desk, not really doing anything. Quite often they might have a little TV uh, on their desk or the radio one and they're just sitting there watching people go in and out of the building, passing the time of day and you kind of think, um, in this day and age I'm quite surprised that that is still financially viable and that it still exists. I have a friend who lives in what I would call quite a posh apartment building. It has a swimming pool and it has landscape gardens around it and I went to a party there. Me and Karina went to a party there uh, I don't know a month or two ago and the portero there was it was like checking through a security gate in a in a in an airport or uh, crossing a border checkpoint the portero was friendly but would not let us into the building until we told him the apartment number and the name of the person and he would check on his list to say to see that yes that person does live in that apartment and would sometimes phone up to the apartment to tell them I've got uh, Paul and Karina here shall I let them up Um, which I was quite surprised about I'd never encountered that kind of level of security before so the next one is really obvious when we think of Spain and in fact I made an episode specifically about this I think last year and I'm talking about shutters persianas the shutters on windows and uh, bars on windows as well the shutters the persianas I don't think there is a single Spanish home that doesn't have persianas, the uh, plastic or metal shutters. Sometimes in the older houses, they're made of wood. They're really useful if you want a blackout and you don't want any light at all. They're great for that. They're great for keeping the heat out in the summer months and they're good for keeping out the cold in the winter months. Uh, I think personally, no Spanish home is complete without persianas or shutters. And I know that I have Spanish friends that live in the UK in my hometown and I was asking them before. What, what little things do you miss about Spain? And um, top of the list almost was, oh, persianas, persianas. Because, yeah, it's true in UK, we don't have shutters. Um, very, very, very uncommon. We just have curtains and that's it. And my Spanish friends were sort of like, oh, God, you know, in the summer when the sun comes up at 5am and it's streaming in the room and you've got your curtains closed, oh, it's really annoying because, it, you know, even with the curtains closed, it's really bright. Um, so there you go. Not common in UK, super super common in Spain, and the other thing, um, yeah, the the metal bars that you find on windows of houses called rejas are the bars. Now in our apartment, we have rejas on the bathroom window and the kitchen window because they look out onto a walkway, which I'll talk about a bit later. So yes, yeah, somebody in theory could squeeze their body through these tiny windows. I God knows how they'd managed to do it, but all the same. There are bars on those windows. I actually think they're quite ugly and I find it quite strange that there is this necessity in Spain to have bars from top to bottom on all windows, especially if they're on the ground floor or maybe the first two or three floors of a building. In the building that we live in, there are five floors and even on the top floors of the apartment building, the windows, the tiny little windows to people's bathrooms and kitchens have... Big thick metal bars across them. From some research that I did, I think, before, it's something to do with insurance. Spanish insurance companies will not insure a property unless it has bars across windows which are easily accessible or could be easily accessible. I think it's a bit of a shame um, because you do see some beautiful houses, particularly on houses, um, you know, in the countryside, and all of the windows have got bars across them. And I just think it just makes it seem, I don't know, a bit like a prison, though. I don't know. Anyone listening to this, wherever you live, uh, do get in touch via the Facebook page and uh, tell us if it's the same in the country where you're from. Um, In the UK, we don't have bars on any windows. Mostly windows are double glazed, but they are too here in Spain. So let's progress from the entrance into El Salón. Let's go into the living room or the lounge, depending what you like to call it. Um, well, I'm going to start, first of all, talking about floors. And I have touched on this before. In, in nearly all Spanish apartments or houses, the floors are not carpeted. They are usually tiled. Or they might have a, what they call tarima, which is like a kind of laminated fake wood flooring or covering called tarima. Or they might have parquet. Parquet is the parquet flooring, so the little wooden blocks which are set into the floor. Carpets, I don't think I've ever seen a wall-to-wall carpet in a Spanish home. The carpet, moqueta, is not something that Spaniards have in their houses. However, in the UK... Everyone has carpets in their houses, usually. Uh, Maybe they're becoming a little bit less fashionable now. Some people like to have like a polished floor instead with a rug. But I would say 90% of English or British homes have wall-to-wall carpet, which is fitted, which is pinned or glued down to the floor. And I've spoken to my Spanish friends a few times about this. It's come up in conversation. And they're like, oh, qué asco. They think it's a bit disgusting that we have these permanent carpets, which uh harbor bacteria and dirt and all this kind of thing they think it's really un unhygienic in a way it's a bit of a standing joke i've heard before you know amongst me and my spanish friends and i've heard other people talking about it saying oh god que guaros british people are how what they how 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 dirty they are with these carpets everywhere and even sometimes having a carpet in the bathroom oh my god that's That's disgusting. And, you know, at which point I've pointed out, well, we do have vacuum cleaners which suck up dust and dirt. But no, they uh, stick to their guns and say, no, no, uh, a hard floor which you can sweep and mop is much, much more uh, hygienic. And let's face it, Spain is a much warmer country than the UK, so it makes sense that you have hard floors, tiled floors, because it's much cooler. But having said that, I do miss... Uh, sometimes kind of curling up on the floor with my back against the sofa when I'm watching a film or stretching out on the floor is something I... Quite often did back home in the UK, like the floor could become like another seat if you had a lot of people round, for example, to watch a film or something. It was quite normal that a few people would just crash on the floor on the carpet, uh, especially in the winter as well. You have to go around in slippers, and this is another thing that I mentioned: that Spanish people get a bit anxious when you go into their apartments and you take your shoes off and you walk around in your socks, or if it's in the summer and you kick off your shoes or your flip-flops or whatever, and you go around barefoot in an apartment. You can see them kind of wincing and going, oh, you sure you don't want some slippers? Uh, you sh- I've got a spare pair of flip-flops you can borrow if you like. And I'm like, no, no, I quite like going around in bare feet. But it's something that um, I think Spaniards uh, don't really do, and they're more likely at home to wear at least slippers or flip-flops in the summer. Because of the nature of sp- floors in Spanish homes. I don't think I've ever done so much sweeping and mopping in my entire life. To be honest, a mop to me was quite an alien device for cleaning. But every Spanish home has a mop and bucket. The next thing I want to talk about that you find in Spanish homes is the estantería. I don't know if I'm being a bit unfair because maybe I'm thinking about uh, apartments of older people in Spain. But in my experience when I've been to friends houses or parents of friends or family homes in Spain the estanteria which is the huge big bookcase which tends to dominate the entire one entire wall of a lounge quite often look quite dated uh, quite often made of very really dark wood with loads of shelves cupboards little glass cabinets built into them And they seem to house everything, including the TV, the stereo. You might have a set of encyclopedias. You'll have numerous photographs on them, trinkets, vases. There are drawers. And this great big estanteria dominates the whole salon. Everything is pointed at it. I've seen these a lot in Spain. And I'd be intrigued, again, any listeners, if you have found this to be true as well. Nine times out of ten, when I've viewed properties, they seem to have this big estanteria. And personally, in the UK, these are not popular at all now. Let me know your thoughts on this. Let me know if you have one. I know there are more modern versions of these estanterias now, where people get them from IKEA. Another little observation, and I think I like this: light switches in Spanish homes are really big. I think it's a really good idea when you're fumbling around in the dark trying to find the switch to turn the light on. I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, and I don't know. If if it's the same in other european countries i get the feeling that it might be in france and italy Um, but compared to the uk and the usa where the light switches are quite small so you have the panel but the actual button the actual switch is is quite small whereas here in spain on the light switches almost the entire panel is the switch which just clips up and down So I quite like it. Um, It's easier to to turn them on and off. You're probably thinking, God, this is a bit uh, niche. Well, they're just the tiny little observations (laughs) that I've noticed. Um, I'd be intrigued to to know if you guys have noticed this as well. Let's move to the kitchen. The first ever place I lived in Spain, which was in the centre of Madrid, which was unfortunately infested with cockroaches, which didn't seem to bother the other housemates who kept all of their cutlery and plates in in Tupperware containers to stop the cockroaches crawling on them. I didn't realise at first until one night I got up in the middle of the night to go and get a glass of water from the kitchen, flicked the switch to turn the kitchen light on, and there must have been dozens of cockroaches fleeing into the corners and into the cracks and into the crevices of the kitchen. And I think it was at that moment I thought, no, it's time to move on and look for another place to live. But in this apartment, which was in a rather old, probably, yeah, a at least a hundred years old apartment building. I had this, this curious thing in the kitchen that I remember and what it was was a cupboard built into an exterior wall underneath a window. We had this cupboard with two wooden doors and when you open the wooden doors The back of the cupboard was just like a kind of metal net or mesh or it just had holes uh, completely exposed to the outside. I had to ask my housemates what it was for, there was nothing in it. They didn't use it and basically in the older apartments you find them, it was a sort of very primitive refrigerator, some of the first fridges, so people would hang inside this space I don't know, some chorizo sausage, or they might keep a jar of milk, or anything which would uh, expire in hot weather would be kept in this little cupboard. And uh, I wanted to know what it was called. So I actually messaged my Spanish teacher, described it to her, and she said, oh, yeah, it's called a fresquera, a fresquera. So I guess it makes sense. Fresquera from fresco or fresca, to be cool or fresh quite interesting. i uh, be interested to know, listeners, again, if anyone has ever seen one of these before or indeed if you have one in the apartment where you live. I was quite taken with this. I thought it was quite uh, a genius invention. The next thing I wanted to talk about in uh, a Spanish kitchen is el thermomix or thermomix. Thermomix. I don't think I've been to a Spanish household which has not had a thermomix. What is a Thermomix? It's this big, heavy food processor which is capable of doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Here's a little extract from an advert for Thermomix. Solo tienes que desplazarte por el menú y seleccionar la receta, preparar los ingredientes y presionar siguiente. Tu Thermomix hará el resto por ti. Cocinar nunca ha sido tan fácil. Cocinar nunca ha sido tan Cooking has never been so easy. They're curious contraptions. Uh, we don't have one. They're actually very expensive. I think that. The lower end, uh, they cost maybe two or 300 euros, and I think I've seen some that go up to 500 euros or maybe more. And it's, as I said, a food processor, so it's capable of mixing ingredients together. But uh, as you might have guessed by the name thermo, it can simultaneously heat and cook food, And there are also models which chill food as well. And there are thousands of recipes specifically designed for the thermomix, so I've seen recipes for making ice cream. I've seen recipes for making bread. You can make casseroles and stews and pastries. You can make just about anything in a thermomix. The next thing on my list, which I guess is connected to the kitchen, uh, but might not necessarily be kept in the kitchen, are these uh, orange or sometimes blue gas bottles. Uh, Main's gas does exist in Spain, but I don't think it's as common as, for example, in the UK, in my experience. In the UK, I've almost never seen a house which uses gas from a gas bottle. Uh, Mains gas is pretty much everywhere in uh, the UK even in small uh, villages, But I'm sure there are places that don't have mains gas. I think mains gas is less common in Spain, but of course it does exist. But the use of gas bottles or bombonas, as they're called, are really common. Bombonas are gas canisters which are delivered uh, maybe on a monthly basis. You quite often see a truck delivering them, clanking down the street, packed with gas bottles. They come and collect the empty one and deliver you a new one. That is quite a common sign in Spain. The gas bottle which is connected up to the gas system in the house uh, to heat your water uh, or to use for your cooker as well. The other thing I was going to mention is this phenomenon called gotale. gotale. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of it before. It is, well, in my opinion, the quite ugly and quite dated wall covering which you see in a lot of Spanish homes. I think gradually people are realising that it's pretty ugly and are getting rid of it. But what it is, is a kind of uh, stippled or bumpy effect, which is sprayed onto interior walls. You can see it in any room in the house. Well, maybe not the bathroom. It looks like someone's iced the wall with, uh, you know, like a top of a cake or something. In my opinion, it's quite ugly, common in maybe the 1960s or 70s or even into the 80s. This most similar thing I can compare it to back in the UK is wallpaper, which is called wood chip, which you still see in houses <laughs> in the UK. Again, it's kind of notorious now for being pretty old fashioned and ugly. So yeah, again, let me know if you have got to lay in your house and let me know whether you like it or not so let's move on to the bathroom one difference I've noticed in Spain in Spanish homes with the bathroom compared to the UK is they are nearly always tiled from floor to ceiling Um, In the UK, in bathrooms, I think it's more common to have tiles going from the floor to maybe halfway up the walls or maybe three quarters of the way up the walls, except for the area where the bath or the shower is, I would say. But in Spain, all of the bathrooms that I've ever seen, uh, like echo chambers, they have tiles obviously on the floor and they have tiles from floor to ceiling. And again, my Spanish friends who live in my hometown in Oxford back in the UK, they bought a house there a few years ago and I was helping them with a few things when they were redecorating and uh, they got rid of the tiles that went just halfway up the wall and decided to tile the entire walls. And they made a special comment about it as well, saying, I don't understand why in the UK you only tile part of the wall. Why don't you tile all of the wall right up to the ceiling? I said, I don't know. Um, So, yeah, in the UK, it's more common maybe to have it partially tiled and then you might have it just plastered or painted with some waterproof paint or something like that. I don't know. Uh, Talking about bathrooms as well, um, I suppose it would be remiss of me not to mention the bidet. We don't have a bidet in our bathroom. I have been to lots of bathrooms that do have bidets. I don't know if people really still use them for washing your your, uh, rear Area or not. Uh, some people say they don't use them, but they can be useful for things like uh, I don't know, if you've done some washing and it's still damp, but you haven't got time to hang it out, that you chuck it in the B day. Some people say they use the B days for soaking clothes. So for example if you're doing a white wash and you've got I don't know a white shirt which is stained, instead of leaving it in a in a bowl or a bucket or something, you chuck it in the B day, chuck in a bit of bleach and leave it to soak in there before washing it. So I guess Yeah, Kind of useful. Uh, Maybe they're becoming less common in Spain. I'm not sure. Uh, Certainly a lot of bathrooms don't have them now. I remember as a kid, one of my first trips to Spain when I was probably about seven or eight years old, being really curious as to what this bidet was and found it hilarious that it was for washing your bottom with. Uh, the other thing, mixer taps. Now, I think every tap in Spain is a mixer tap. And again, I'm just uh, going to use my Spanish friends to refer to in this anecdote. Uh, they said, oh God, why in the UK don't you have mixer taps in your kitchens and bathrooms? Or especially in your bathrooms. You want to wash your hands and you either have boiling hot water coming out of one tap and cold water out of the other. And you kind of have to do this little manoeuvre of flipping your hands between the two taps. And in fact, I've even seen on Facebook memes uh, kind of taking the piss out of this uh, phenomenon in the UK where we have two separate taps and memes of people you know flicking their hands between the two hot and cold taps maybe it's true I think in more modern bathrooms in the UK now they do have mixer taps but uh, in Spain I don't think I've seen separate taps Uh, The other thing which I find uh, quite curious, and I don't think this is specific to Spain, I think this is uh, also the case in other European countries as well, is that they quite often have electrical outlets or what we might call plug points in the UK inside the bathrooms, quite often next to the sink so that you can plug in a hairdryer or maybe an electric razor or something like that. And it's just a standard Uh, power outlet. Um, We don't have this in the UK uh, for safety reasons. You don't normally find uh, your regular power outlets or plug points inside bathrooms because of the risk of mixing water with electricity. Uh, The only thing you will find is a specially made adapter plug for uh, electric razors. Um, But other than that, we don't have power points in bathrooms. And the other thing with the light switch... I think it's true in America and the UK that we have a cord which you pull to turn the light on inside the bathroom. But they're not very common. What you normally find is the light switch for the bathroom is on the outside of the room, normally uh, by the door on the outside. And Staying with power outlets or plug points, I've always found everywhere I've lived in Spain that there are never enough plug points. And certainly this is the case in our apartment where we live now. The building is 100 plus years old, but the apartment was renovated probably not that long ago, but didn't occur to them to put in more plug points. I think in total in the whole apartment, we probably only have like four or five plug points, maybe one, two in the kitchen. I think we've got one in the bedroom and we've got maybe one or two in the lounge. So you end up finding that you have this a uh, tangle of adapters and extension cords going around the apartment where everything is plugged into just one or two power outlets. Um, I'd be intrigued to know if that's the case with any of you guys, the listeners, or maybe if you've moved or if you've bought a property and you found that you've had to uh, put in extra power outlets for all of your uh, electronic devices. In our case, we've got extension leads out, out of every power outlet, which is probably not... That's safe, to be honest. And the other thing I've noticed inside uh, most Spanish homes, whether they're houses or apartments, is the complete lack of smoke detectors. Um, Now, these haven't always been around in the UK, but certainly since I would say the 1990s, where there was a big kind of advertising campaign and a big push uh, to, to encourage people to install smoke detectors in their homes obvious, for obvious reasons to uh, you know stop people dying from smoke inhalation in their sleep or obviously to alert people of a fire, fire in their home. Um, I've never seen a smoke detector in any Spanish house, whether it's been hardwired into the mains electricity or whether it's one of those battery operated ones you just stick on the ceiling. Again, let me know if you've uh, had problems with this or if you have smoke detectors in your homes. Uh, we don't have any, actually, in our apartment. And it's something that I need to get round to buying and installing. Um, but no, no smoke detectors. And um, in homes in Spain, in my experience, they're not uh, a common sight. OK, then, just before we round off outdoor space, terrazas, patios and... Corralas. No, I guess if you're lucky enough to live in a detached or semi-detached house, maybe not in a city centre location, you have access to a nice terraza. Uh, Quite often uh, Uh, tiled areas. Um, I don't think uh, grass or lawns are particularly common in Spain. Again, for obvious reasons, the climate is hard to keep uh, an area of lawn green and alive uh, in extreme temperatures in the summer, but certainly uh, tiled spaces. Some apartments come with a little terraza, uh, which is usually tiled completely. And um, where we live, we unfortunately... Don't have a terraza. Our uh, apartment building opposite us on their top floor apartment have a lovely big terraza on their roof with plants and uh, sunshades. And I'm always extremely jealous of them when I see them up there enjoying a beer on their terraza in the summer. Um, but we don't. But what we do have, and this is quite a common thing in Madrid in older apartment buildings, and that is something called a corrala. Now I'm just uh, moved across to our uh, my kitchen window Uh, it looks out onto an internal kind of patio so we're up on the third floor and what is a corrala what a corrala is like a walkway which is open on one side so it's kind of a, a corridor which leads from the staircase to the various doors of the specific apartment and they're actually quite pleasant to look at. Uh, In our building, which is about 120 years old, the Corala is a quite intricately designed wooden structure with wrought iron and quite ornate black railings it's like an external corridor walkway and as I'm looking out now on the Corrala it's a place where people hang their pot plants lots of plants that I can see hanging down and it's also a place where People hang up their washing on their tendereros. Uh, Tenderero is your washing line. As I look out now, and this is really common, it's like a kind of pulley system of maybe four or five clothes lines hooked up to little pulleys and wheels so that you can move the line backwards and forwards. This is something really common, and it's really common to see everyone's washing out (laughs) at the weekend when they've done their wash, and you see everything knickers, underwear, kind of quite intimate stuff really, isn't it? Uh, shared with your neighbours. And some people will hang these tendederos out on their front balcony, but I would say that's less common. With that in mind, I would say that electric clothes dryers are not very common in Spain. Yes, you can buy them. Yes, they exist if you go into any uh, electrical store. But I don't know anyone who uses an electrical dryer. Nearly everybody hangs their washing outside. One last thing. Plants on balconies. Yep, super common. And I read recently something about uh, superstitions. And I don't know if anyone else has noticed this. It's quite common to see geraniums out on a balcony. Uh, I can't seem to keep mine alive. They keep getting attacked by moths and bugs Um, but apparently if you put a cactus out on your balcony it is supposed to be good luck so if you wonder why you see a lot of cactuses out on a balcony yes they are really really hardy and they can take any kind of extreme weather which you do get in a lot of Spain but also it's apparently uh, to ward off any bad luck stop any bad luck entering through your doors of your balcony into your house so that was the last thing on my list of little curiosities and quirky things and comparisons with uh, Spanish homes compared to my experience of homes in uh, the UK and to some extent in the United States. If you've listened to this and you've, uh, you can relate to any of the things that I've uh, been talking about, then um, do get in touch and leave a message on the Facebook group. I'm sure there are things that I've missed off this list. But if any of you live in Spain or have lived in Spain and uh, can relate to any of the things I've been talking about let me know let the rest of the group know and if there are indeed anything that I've missed off that I haven't mentioned feel free to get in touch and let me know as well So that's it for this week. Thank you for staying tuned. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Just to say that When in Spain has a presence on all the usual social media hangouts. Uh, Most of you know this already, but if you're new to the podcast, uh, just to say When in Spain has a very active and friendly Facebook group. Uh, If you'd like to ask any questions or advice or for recommendations to other people who uh, are Spain lovers, Spain fans as well, come and join the group. Uh, It's a place for you to share any articles photos anything which you think might be of interest uh, that's related to Spain when in Spain also has an Instagram page if you're into photography I do try to post photos uh, quite often on uh, the Instagram account and also post photos which relate sometimes to uh, specific podcast episodes when in Spain is on Twitter if that's your mode of communication you'd like to tweet me and if you'd like to get in touch with me directly with any query or questions, or any feedback or ideas about the podcast, you can email me on wheninspain1 at outlook.com. When in Spain, the number one at outlook.com. Just a reminder don't forget you can become a When in Spain patron uh, if you enjoy the podcast and you feel that it's worth one or two dollars of your uh, hard earned money each month to help me cover my costs of putting the show together and uh, to cover some of my time that it takes to bring you the podcast you can do that at patreon.com forward slash when in Spain and uh, I would be very very grateful as I said earlier if you can't do that please do share the podcast with your friends or family who might be interested in Spain and if you can also leave a small review or a star rating on whichever platform you listen to and hit that subscribe button to help more people discover when in Spain so I'm going to head off now Jimba, our cat, has fallen asleep peacefully on the chair in front of me. Thanks for listening and hasta luego.